looking to retaliate against the Russians if they were behind the hack of the Democratic Party. And new ways to defend against ransomware. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. Hillary Clinton never envisioned the party convention to formally nominate her as the Democratic presidential candidate would be detoured by revelations of nearly 20,000 emails. Those emails and other leaked documents show party leaders plotting against the former Secretary of State's primary challenger, Senator Bernie Sanders. The leak cost Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz her job as Democratic Party chair. Many cybersecurity experts believe the Russians, with ties to President Vladimir Putin, hacked the Democratic Party servers and leaked the emails to WikiLeaks, which made them public last Friday. As the convention opened in Philadelphia on Monday, I caught up with Jim Lewis. He's Senior Vice President and Director of the Strategic Technology Program at the Think Tank Center for Strategic and International Studies. Lewis says the Russians have hacked the political party's computers in the previous two elections. It's perfectly consistent with how they've acted in the past. They might be testing us um, to see how we'll react. It's not an act of war. The attribution isn't clear yet. What is it the Americans can do back? More sanctions? What is the right response to the Russians? Uh, Over political hacking. Lewis says he believes the White House is analyzing the leaked data to see what kind of response is justified. So it wouldn't surprise me if in a week or two you saw some kind of action if they decide, yeah, it was the Russians interfering in an election. Paul Rosenzweig is a former Deputy Assistant Secretary for Policy at the Department of Homeland Security during the Bush administration. He says the U.S. government must take action if it's proven the Russians were behind the hack that led to the Democratic Party officials' emails being leaked. They have to do something to allow somebody to attempt to interfere into what is essentially our core critical infrastructure of elections without responding is almost trivially wrong. As to what they should do, that's a a little more interesting question. Rosenzweig says the U.S. should rule out any type of military action. The Obama administration, through an executive order, could impose diplomatic sanctions and suspects that U.S. intelligence agencies would take covert actions against Putin and Russian leaders. Most of our possible tools ought to be on the table. And one of those tools could be indicting the actors behind the hack. Not that they would ever come to trial, but a good public indictment that lays out the case is a great way of demonstrating to the Russians and to the world that we know what they're doing and neutralizing the effect. If the government does respond to the attack, Rosenzweig advises the administration to first get the backing of Republican leaders. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I I tend to think that notwithstanding the fact that it seems directed at the Democrats, that even Republicans will be revolted at the idea of interference in the sanctity of electoral system. As the administration ponders possible sanctions, Lewis says the political parties should rethink how they approach cybersecurity. Nobody worries about email. Everyone assumes emails are confidential when in fact they're like a postcard. It's slowly dawning on folks. If I send it an email, it could be on the front page of the newspaper. It's surprising how long that's taken to sink in. Nobody thinks about it when they send an email. They think it's secure, and that's really sweet. (laughs) The ad hoc nature of political campaigns means they don't take cybersecurity as seriously as they should. Campaigns tend to be messy and You know, there's kind of scratch organizations, but in the future, they're going to have to pay more attention. And more attention means probably hiring outsiders to do cybersecurity for them, whether it's their email, whether it's the managed cybersecurity services, 
campaigns can't rely on their own resources anymore. They're always nervous about that because so much of the stuff is sensitive. This has got to be a new priority. They have to spend the money to get the managed services. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. No law exists in the United States or Europe that prohibits paying ransoms. Still, in most instances, paying cyber criminals after suffering a ransom attack isn't a smart thing. Doing so allows these developers to build strong strains of ransomware and sell those improvements to ransomware affiliates who kick a cut of the proceeds paid by victims back to developers. And paying ransom just encourages the cyber criminals to continue their attacks. Now, a new portal is being launched this week that offers a one-stop shop for battling ransomware infections. It's known as nomoreransom.org. And to tell us more about it, I'm joined by my colleague, Data Breach Today editor, Matt Schwartz. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. What's the genesis of No More Ransom? Security firms and police agencies want to do more to battle ransomware than basically telling people that if they haven't prepared in advance, they're probably either going to have to pay or suffer the loss of their data. How does No More Ransom work? It's got a few components. One of them is if you do become a victim of a ransomware attack, you can upload a couple of the encrypted files and the site will scan it, attempt to identify the variant, then inform you if there is a decryption tool available for the ransomware. The hope is that as this effort moves forward, there will be more decryption tools for more types of ransomware. I spoke with Raj Samani of Intel Security, which is one of the organizations that's helped launch this portal. And Raj says that one of the impetuses for the site was to help give people a different option besides do I or don't I pay? Do I pay criminals and fund crime but get access to my data? Or do I not fund crime and potentially not able to function as a business or as a person or not have access to their data. And it's a difficult decision. Whereas now what you can do is you can now go to nomoransom.org and you can determine what variant of ransomware you've been hit with. And if we've been successful in our operations, like we have just done with Shade, you can download free decryption tools to make your data available without paying the ransom. Do these solutions work? They work for a subset of known ransomware infections. There's a type of ransomware called Shade, and the group behind this new portal was involved in the takedown of the malicious infrastructure that ran the Shade ransomware, and they were able to obtain 160,000 private keys that had been used to forcibly encrypt victims' PCs, and they've released a tool that incorporates these various keys to help victims unlock their computers. That's big news, but Raj Samani said, yes, that's a very welcome turn of events. But in the bigger picture, more is going to be required. When we've done takedowns in the past, remediation's always been the difficult part because you've got to get people to download tools and so forth. The bigger story now is we're now committed towards a longer term solution, not having to let people decide whether to pay the ransom or not. We've now given you a third option. We've seen some progress, but ransomware is going to hang around for a while, right? Definitely. There's no way that a technological solution alone is going to nuke ransomware. There's too much illicit profit to be gained by keeping it going. Still, hopefully, sites such as this one will at least take a bite out of criminals' profits. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. Finally, antivirus applications depend on regular updates that identify signatures that recognize new malware. But one anti-malware product for Apple computers doesn't seem to be consistently updating itself to include new signatures. That product is known as MacKeeper. 
ISMG Managing Editor for Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk, has been writing about MacKeeper for the past year, and he joins me to discuss practices at the company that publishes the software, Chromtech Alliance Corporation of Germany. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Eric. Some Apple customers find annoying MacKeeper's pop-up ads that warn your Mac might be infected. That's not the only thing that's troubling these users. That's right. This week I wrote a story about how MacKeeper for about six weeks earlier this year was not getting antivirus signatures. Antivirus signatures are basically files that are descriptions of patterns of malware and they're kind of crucial for security software in order to detect malware to have regular updates of these files. That's unusual, isn't it? That's very unusual. Security products usually update several times a day. What's Chromtech's explanation for this? Chromtech licenses its antivirus engine from a company called Avira. Apparently, there was a technical problem on Avira's end that prevented MacKeeper from updating regularly. I asked MacKeeper if it notified its customers that the product was not getting regular signatures, and they said they didn't. How did the industry respond to this? I spoke to a couple of different experts who test antivirus products, and both said this is very strange for a security company not to notify its customers that its product isn't working properly. There's been critical reviews of MacKeeper, and Chromtech doesn't just sit there when unfavorable assessments are posted on the internet. Many people over the years have taken issue with the style of advertising that MacKeeper uses to promote its product. It uses a lot of pop-up advertisements that are sort of reminiscent of a lot of bad actors from the early 2000s. MacKeeper isn't a scam. It's not illegal. The company's product does actually work. But a lot of people feel that the way that it advertises itself, you'll see these pop-ups that say your Mac has been infected, are designed to elicit fear from people, and especially maybe older people who are not as familiar with computers. And there's one young man in Europe who uh, has been somewhat critical and he has an interesting story to tell. There's a 14-year-old named Luke Minwadude who lives in Norway. He received a notice from Chromtech warning him that he should take down four videos that he made which generally criticized the MacKeeper product. MacKeeper accused Wadude of possibly being libelous against his product and warned him that if he didn't take it down, he could face legal action. Wadude decided to take down three of his videos but is keeping one up because he feels that the video properly portrays MacKeeper and properly criticizes some of its advertising techniques. He's not being intimidated. Basically, he's waiting for Chromtech to make the next move. The MacKeeper find people which say bad stuff about their brand or negative reviews, and they go around suing these people which publish these videos. And you guys can see that in that first video I made, that I was staying as neutral as possible. I tried my best to stay calm and keep my personal opinions away from that video. What's your assessment of MacKeeper? Since the last couple of years, it's tried to sort of reform some of its practices. It's also tried to sort of tone down the warnings that it gives in its pop-up advertisements. It's changed some of the features in the program when it does an initial scan. Some people would criticize that it was flagging issues that weren't actually security issues. It appears the product still has issues and probably needs to work a little bit more on its branding. People often accuse it of being a scam or illegal, but they're kind of conflating what MacKeeper is doing with what a lot of other companies were doing that definitely was illegal. The company should also probably change its advertising practices so it's not confused with things that are actually scams and illegal. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, Eric. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.